0: Hey guys, it's your host, Avery Carl. Welcome to the Short Term Show special episode series on Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I'm super excited to do this 10 episode deep dive into this market with you, and I wanted to make a few notes for you first. So if you wanna set up a search for properties or see current purchase prices or current income numbers in this market, you can do that at our website, theshorttermshop.com. If you just want to connect with us and hang out and talk about short-term rentals more, you can do that in our Facebook group. It's the same title as my book. It's called Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. And you can also find the information on all of our other market short-term show special episode series there as well. So we look really forward to hanging out with you over the next 10 episodes and we'll catch you guys on the next one. Let's go. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Short Term Show special episode series on Myrtle Beach. Today, we're going to be talking about common occurrences that you're going to have to deal with when you're managing and running a property in this market. So I've got a cool panel here to help me talk about this. First, we've got Bradley Klein. Bradley, you want to introduce yourself real quick?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Hey guys, I'm Bradley Klein and I am one of two Myrtle Beach uh, agents in the area. Of course, I help all the buyers and sellers in the area. And uh, Samantha is our other agent.
0: All right. Thank you, Bradley. Next we have Tim Grilio. Tim, you introduce yourself really quick.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Good morning, everybody.
2: Uh, my name is Tim Grillo. I actually live in the Smoky Mountains, but own properties in both uh uh beach markets and the Smokies. So uh spent a lot of time managing properties.
0: <laughs> yes, you do. You've got a bunch of them at this point. So let's talk about this. So let's talk about common occurrences in in the Myrtle Beach market, managing beach properties that you're going to run into. And I'm going to just go straight for the jugular here and let's go jump right into weather and guests that want to cancel for weather when it's not necessarily a thing. So what I mean by that is, yes, hurricane season happens every single year. And you will see on the news, even if you live in Michigan, you will see stuff about hurricanes on the news several times, probably like, you know, August, September, October time. And it technically starts June first, I think, but don't really hear too much until later in the fall. So anyway, it's a big thing on the news. And what will happen is people will wanna see that on the news and they'll want to start canceling their vacations with you in Myrtle Beach, even if we aren't sure the, the the tornado the tornado, even if we aren't sure the hurricane's gonna go to Myrtle Beach yet, you know, maybe it's headed more towards inside the Gulf. Maybe it's going to strike, you know, South Florida and not really get up to to the Myrtle Beach area. So what are some best practices when it comes to, uh oh, there's a named hurricane. People want to start canceling and we don't even know where it's going yet.
2: Uh, so for me, well, one, you're absolutely right. This will happen. Uh hundred percent is going to happen. If you own in a beach market, I don't care which one it is. Uh, and it really, quite frankly, anywhere you have these things, something's going to happen and, and people are going to ask about canceling because of X uh, it could be rain, you know? <laughs> um, but anyway, I think first and foremost, uh, you know, be, be somewhat forward in your listings about it, you know, have something as blunt as we don't uh, we don't cancel for weather, you know, um, on the, so have that for sure. And then on the other side of it, I think, you know, Empathy goes a long way and educating goes a long way. Uh, most of the time people visiting these markets don't, they don't live there, you know, so they live in an area that doesn't have hurricanes. So they don't know what to expect in it. And it's scary. Uh, I'm from one of those places and hurricanes scare me. <laughs> um, you know, if you live there, it's different. So anyway, I'd say having some empathy when you're dealing with this, it goes a long ways, but encouraging travel insurance, we absolutely do that. But, uh, uh, it's kind of a, a firm, but be understanding. So like when we communicate with guests, you know, we, we tell them, no, we don't cancel for this. Now, if it gets to a, a formal evacuation, we do, you know, we get to, you know, if it, if it comes to like, you know, the national weather service issues or who the local government or whatever issues that an evacuation, then we do, we do a, a refund for that. But at the, you know, a lot of times those will be like a 10 days ahead of thing where the likelihood is they're going to show up and there's a decent chance. It's actually going to be sunny. You know, there's not, you know, that happens a lot. We've had a lot of people wanting to cancel and then they end up having the best vacation they've ever had. And it's just been gorgeous when they get there because hurricanes do silly things. They, they turn and they, Don't always know exactly where they're going to land and and things like that. So uh, that's really kind of a little bit how we handle it. Um, But it it just takes a little bit of practice and and understanding. You know, it takes a lot of understanding. Just knowing that they don't, they're just scared a little bit and they don't want their vacation ruined. So
0: yeah, and one thing I want to highlight is that we're not trying to like hold people into a vacation where the hurricane is. Coming to this market. This is only, we're just talking about if there's a hurricane out there, we don't know where it's going. Obviously, if it is going to be a direct hit to Myrtle Beach, we're giving refunds. Okay. We're not trying to force people like, oh, well, I'm not going to give you a refund. So guess you better show up and, you know, force people into a, a dangerous situation for their family. We are strictly talking about. If it's not necessarily coming towards and people just want to cancel preemptively.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. If there's a hurricane coming, we're telling them not to come <laughs> Of <For> course, <laughs> If it's coming for sure, uh, we're telling them not to come. But like you said, when it's way out in the water and we don't know yet, you know, we just kind of communicate with them and tell them to stay, you know, keep watching the news and, and uh, watch, you know, we actually give them, uh, you know, we do digital guidebooks. So our digital guidebooks contain a lot of information. We give a lot of links to local governments and local educational agencies for those types of things. So that way they have more than just us to follow on on that. So that way, if something were to happen while they're there, heaven forbid, they have, you know, the knowledge that they need to uh, deal with it. So.
0: so, let's dial that back a little bit. And cause we see this happen with some of our beach properties sometimes where people show up and it's not a hurricane, but it's just, you know, they didn't get the best weather in the world during their stay unrelated to hurricanes. You know, we're talking spring break maybe, and they get there and they happen to have a rainy few days, but then they want a discount for that. What are, what do we do about that?
2: Um, it's kind of same thing. We, 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 uh, we try and get ahead of those things. So, you know, we, we put in our listings, things that say, exactly what you just said this could happen you know and we don't refund for that um but you know here we give them like again we use the guidebook there's other ways you can do it but we give them things to do on a rainy day you know like we'll give them a bunch of uh, suggestions of things in the area that are entertainment based that you know that to try and make the best of it as best as we can
0: gotcha so we're not giving discounts for that kind of weather we don't that makes sense i agree with that 100 percent Um, anything else related to weather? you think we need to go over before we move on to a different topic? Um,
2: Really just, uh, really just be upfront about it. I mean, that's kind of my theory with a lot of things is just like, uh, set the expectation up front. So there's no surprises. People don't like being surprised. And, uh, um, so if you set the expectation up front, it takes a little bit of word crafting to not make it sound like you're just being harsh and, and just like absolutely no refund. You know, you don't want to word it like that, but you do need to be. On the other side of it, you don't want to be so wishy-washy about it that they don't understand what you're saying. So just just be upfront that weather can happen. We don't have control over the weather. If weather does happen, here's the best way to salvage, you know, what you got going on. So.
0: All right. So let's move on to some other things that you may have to deal with and maintain at the beach. So a lot of properties, if you're getting single family, are and which Myrtle Beach, I would say, is. Correct me if I'm wrong, Bradley. More condos than single families, right?
1: Yeah, this is probably. 80 20 75 25 roughly in that area but there's definitely significantly more condos than than single family homes for sure
0: gotcha so typically if you are getting a single family home I highly recommend getting a property with a pool and mm-hmm. what are Tim what are some things that we have to keep in mind when we are like in terms of pool maintenance and things like that like we need to definitely need to get a pool heater If you're buying a property that has one that doesn't have one, but what else?
2: Yeah, that was my biggie I was going to go to was the pool heater. You know, obviously make sure the pool is clean and, uh, you know, everything that everything works. You know, just have a have a regular pool service go out and and do maintenance on the pool. As long as you're doing that, for the most part, pools aren't they aren't this huge like surprise thing that's just going to pop up a bunch of problems usually. I mean, really, the only problems I've ever had is for some reason, the pool heater's off and that that will That will upset people (laughs) so make sure the pool heater's on and working properly so and obviously chemicals and all that kind of stuff are right so
0: yeah and how do we get around what we're supplying people with in terms of being at the pool so do we have like a different kind of towel for the pool or how do we manage that
2: yeah my recommendation there is is create a system a system that works for you and is convenient easy for the guests to understand um we do do different towels. We have uh, a different colored towels that are pool towels, and we ask them not to take the uh, the other towels out. Um, so again, there's not a there's not a one size fits all. Just have a system that works for you, that's easy for you, your cleaners, and the guests all understand and uh, and make it manageable. Don't don't overcomplicate it, and definitely don't overthink it. So, what you don't want is to have you know your good towels that go in your bathroom get ruined by being outside and getting whatever. So.
0: So special towels, we want to make sure we have a pool heater. What do we do if like a guest gets there and they're like, oh my God, the pool's dirty. How do we handle that?
2: Well, I'd say that depends on, you know, obviously if it's a condo or a single family home, you know, if it's a condo, you're going to be making a call to the HOA and the HOA, all the HOAs I've dealt with that have pools have actually been extremely responsive to that. And they'll send, they'll typically send out a maintenance person. And these are questions that you can also ask when you're kind of in the buying process. If you're, if you're doing HOA, ask questions like that, like who handles these kinds of complaints and stuff like that because they do handle it differently from HOA to HOA but typically they're using a the management company they'll go out and deal with it uh, If it's a single family home, you're gonna kind of have to manage that yourself and obviously you know you're gonna have a uh, pool person that that you use. So again uh, the more upfront you can be about these sorts of things like uh you know understand what your pool person will do and what their hours are. And have that stuff in the listing slash guidebook, whatever you're using to communicate with your guests so that they know, you know, if they call at nine o'clock at night, that you're probably not sending a pool person out there at nine o'clock at night, you know, that, you know, you, you can, anything happens, please let us know, but these are the hours and this is how, how we'll do our best to respond. So again, setting as much expectation up front. That you can.
0: Yeah, totally agree with that. Just manage expectations on the front end. It's much easier to let people know than to have to apologize when they're already mad. So definitely make sure that you let them know everything then- they need to know regarding the pool. Oh, go ahead. Yeah.
2: To me, it's as important on the managing expectation with a guest as it is my contractor. You know, so whoever your pool service person is, make sure you and the pool service have the same expectation as well. Because if your expectation is this and the service they're offering is something different, you're going to constantly have problems and you're gonna constantly be frustrated. So make sure, you know, equalizing expectations across the board is, is huge. So and again, the more you can do up front. Prior to the guests, you know, you want the guest experience to be flawless. Obviously, it's not always that way, but uh, um, you want to strive for that. And the more you strive for that, the less problems you're going to have.
0: Totally agree. So let's talk about some other things that might be specific to this and and outside. How about sand management? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a biggie, you know, especially, I mean, uh, my properties are condos and they are beachfront. So sand management is a thing. Um, I, again, if you have a condo, there is usually going to be an area for this. If uh, if there's not and you I I, I recommend, you know, I and mean, you have to balance your time on this, but, you know, have some sort of involvement with your HOA, attend the meetings, listen to what they're saying, speak up. But uh, we've actually invested, you know, not a ton of money, but we've got a nice shower area for when you come off the beach for we actually put feet washing stations in and and the overhead and everything so and then again communicate this stuff to your guests so that they know you know you don't don't just rely on your hoa sign also put a put something in all your literature saying you know before you come inside from the beach you know wash off and uh um so that, that's really the biggie uh, choice of, of flooring goes a long way with sand management. Don't, don't install carpet. And if you have carpet, rip it out, (laughs) uh, be careful what kind of rugs and stuff you choose. I mean, I think it's fine to have rugs in condos on the beach, but, you know, be mindful of what kind of fabrics and stuff you're choosing because you are going to get sand inside your, your, your units. And, uh, um, I'd say, You know every once in a while we have an issue with drains where our drain will get uh sand in the p-traps and stuff and uh, we have to have a plumber go out there and uh and deal with that so um again the more you can stay ahead of those things sorts of things the better you are so the best way for me to stay ahead of that is i would rather get that feedback from my cleaner than i would from a guest so like i tell my cleaners like if it starts getting slow like not even clogged, just slow. Let me know. That way I can get it taken care of uh, before it becomes an issue with a guest. Um, you know, again, we're trying to have the guests never have to report these things, but sometimes sometimes it happens. So,
0: What else related to outside things that you have to manage inside your house do you think we need to be aware of? Is there any like bug problems or, I mean, there's definitely bigger bugs in coastal areas, I'll say, <laughs> than other places. But yeah, I think I a mean- couple of.
2: I mean, I'm not going to talk the bugs. Yeah. I mean, do, do pass control, but, um, two things for me are, are, are door locks and, uh, um, and balcony doors. Um, so i want to touch on each of those separately, but, but the door locks, you are in a, a, an area that's affected by salt. So salt water and salt mist in the air. So your door locks are going to, uh, um, your door locks are going to have the chance to fail due to just uh uh salt doing you know having corrosion issues. So um the way we manage that is you know, obviously having a backup key. Uh so we actually uh you know have a have a lockbox somewhere and uh with a backup key in it so that way if the electronics and your door lock keypad fail, uh you can have a backup key to get in. Um, what we actually do on that too, and this may seem a little extreme, but I actually love it is it can be a pain to get somebody to go out there that knows how to program a digital door lock. So we will actually uh, um, have a, 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 a spare door lock that's all programmed to our Wi-Fi and all ready to go in an owner's closet that's locked up. So that way, if uh, if we have a failure on the electronic lock, we can send any handyman out there that can change a doorknob and put the new lock in and they don't have to do all the programming and stuff. They just literally put it in, put the batteries in it and it, it, it links up and it's ready to go. So that's, that's a biggie for us. And that's saved us more than once having that spare sitting there. So, um, you know, and it's, this doesn't happen. Like, it's not like your door locks going out every day, but it is, it is something that happens in beach markets. that doesn't really happen in other places. So, um, so that's one thing. And then another is, uh, uh, and this is just a silly thing, but people will leave the balcony door wide open on, on your balcony and uh, they love the breeze coming through and it's nice, you know, I can't lie, but what will happen, especially in the summer is if you have your air conditioner on, uh, they won't shut the air conditioner off, They'll have the door open and it'll be enough to where the air conditioner runs nonstop and it will freeze up your HVAC unit. And then uh, they'll close the door, and then they'll go. Uh, it's hot in here, and they'll you'll get a message saying your air conditioner is not working, <laughs> and it's broken, and blah blah blah. And uh, so there, you know, obviously you can put up signs, you can you know communicate that, you know, and, and and you know we some people put a label right on their thermostat that says that. Some people put a label on their door. That's up to you how you want to do that, but you need to communicate it somewhere that uh, if you're going to have the balcony door open, shut the HVAC off and uh, and not have it on. Uh, or it will freeze and, you know, have some consequence to that, that if it freezes, it's not going to work. Beyond that, there are systems that you can get that are like an interlock system where uh, if it's like a sensor that goes on the door, that if you open the door, it shuts off the HVAC. That's getting a little bit more complicated, but those things do exist. So,
0: So, yeah, I think now that we're talking about like door locks and exterior stuff, so what exteriorly, exterior-wise, do we have to manage in this market that might cause problems for guests. You already mentioned one, uh, if the door lock dies, which does tend to happen more often in these beach markets than in markets where there's less salt in the air, but what else do we have to think about?
2: Uh, furniture, uh, any kind of outdoor furniture you has, you have, uh, I highly recommend using like a polywood style furniture, some kind of a, a robust plastic, um, both the sun and the salt attack furniture and if you get like deck furniture from Lowe's or anywhere I shouldn't say Lowe's any any uh, department store you know the the stuff that's rated for outdoors it is going to rust and the the initial steps of that you're going to have stains all over your balcony and the second you know worst phase is it can get so bad that it breaks you know because those things are are just kind of thin metal wrapped in wicker or whatever and uh so get good good outdoor furniture and then the other thing is sun sun beats them up so you want the good the good outdoor plastic furniture is very resistant to the sun and everything it stays fresher looking for a long time uh, you know, if you're in a condo building, your your balconies are typically going to be concrete and they're either going to have tile or something like that on them. So you don't really have a whole lot of maintenance to worry about there. You do have to keep an eye on your railings and stuff. Make sure your railings are, you know, aluminum is usually preferred, but uh, just make sure you're, you're, you're not getting rust and corrosion issues on your railings. Uh, if you have a single family home and you have a deck, uh, obviously, well, not obviously, that's why we're talking about this because it's not obvious, but uh, uh, any, any of your fasteners are susceptible to corrosion. So, you know, you got to keep an eye on things like deck screws and nails and stuff like that, uh if they're getting rusty. You know, a lot of times those things in these markets are built with like stainless steel screws, but not always. So, just, you know, you have some exterior maintenance type of things that you may need to
0: do. I'm trying to think what else. So, um definitely all kinds of corrosion problems, not necessarily problems, but stuff you have to keep an eye on
2: Corrosion management. and I, 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 you know, it's nothing to be scared of. It's just, it's just a different thing. If you're, if you live in, uh, uh, Michigan or Iowa or someplace like that, you've never, never had to deal with this stuff. You know, it's no different than having to deal with snow, you know, somewhere else. It's not like a, it's not like the end of the world. It's just something new that you may have to deal with that you haven't dealt with before. So, um, but you know, corrosion, uh, um, corrosion is, like I said, one of the big things, um, you'll have it. If you supply any kind of beach, uh, I'm going to say chairs, umbrellas, you know, things like that, same thing they can corrode, you know, if they have metal pieces and parts in them. So you kind of may need to be uh, ready to replace those once a year or however often it needs it. So stuff like that.
0: Yeah. So Bradley is Myrtle beach, a big market where people want to ride golf carts or bicycles around?
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to touch on actually, especially with single family homes. Uh, a lot of, Property managers, self-managed, obviously, will provide golf carts. Mm -hmm. Um, You have electric and you have gas golf carts. So I recommend to supply an electric golf cart as opposed to gas because you don't want to have to rely on guests to have to fill up the gas or have to rely on a cleaner to have to make sure it's topped off. It can be forgotten. Of course, with electric, you just plug it in and off you go. But there are liabilities to it. So they can't be driven uh, after dusk and before dawn, they have to remain within four miles of the, uh, of the residence that it's registered. Um, and they can't be driven on main highways. So there are some liability issues that do come with golf carts, which of course liability comes with everything, but, uh, people do supply golf carts. Yes.
0: So I think my suggestion there would be, if they exist is to, instead of supplying your own golf cart, Supplying the info for a company that will rent golf carts Mm, to them and drop it off. Yeah. So that way you're shifting that liability away. Mm. Same thing with bicycles. Um, have a company drop them off so that a the liability is not on you to maintain it. But B, when they have all these questions about something that's not working right, which I don't know how to fix a golf cart. I don't, I don't know how to, I can't even ride a bicycle. I don't know how to fix a bicycle. I couldn't, I could not even tell you how to like change a tire or a chain on a bicycle. So I am not the person to help you. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm managing a property and you have a problem with my bicycle. So I like to have just give them the number in their guidebook of a place that will do it make sure that they it's listed very clearly several times. If that's what they want, they can order from these people and they'll deliver it. And so that way, all of those questions go to the company and not to me because I don't know how to do these things. So that's my recommendation for that. <laughs>
2: Another thing that this is not really an occurrence, but it is a, it is an educational thing that that we like to do is uh, I'll say being respectful of like environmental and wildlife issues and that are, that are in the area. Um, a lot of beach markets have certain, you know, things going on with turtles and and things like that. And uh, you know, as owners, we're very mindful of what that is. But again, these people that are coming here, your guests are not, they're not from the area. So we, we, do provide some amount of literature of just kind of the rules and regulations and and things that, you know, people don't necessarily know. You're not supposed to run around in the dunes and throw sand everywhere mm-hmm. and things like that. And, uh, so having, again, we do it with links in our guidebooks and, uh, and a couple other little things that we do, but, uh, You don't want to if you're in a building of condos, you don't you don't want to be the one that people are constantly calling, saying, hey, somebody in your units doing X, you know, Uh, you just don't want that for yourself. So anything you do to help educate your guests on that, because they just don't know they're not they're not usually going to be maliciously trying to do something they're not supposed to be doing. They just don't know the culture of where they are. So.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really important call out because a lot of people, I remember being a kid and there was this one huge dune in Grayton Beach. I don't think it's there anymore. I think it's you know been a few hurricanes since then. But we loved trying to climb to the top of it. I mean, it was huge. And now I'm like, oh, you're not supposed to do that. (laughs) You're not supposed to be going on the dunes.
2: (laughs) Lights at dark is a big thing. People like, you know, chasing Uh, crabs on the beach at dark. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of places now you're supposed to, you know, have the correct color light. So that doesn't disrupt the turtles and stuff like that when you're doing that. So just little stuff like that. So
0: yeah, you're supposed to have a red light. We actually, not that long ago, uh, just across the street from my office is the beach, and there was somebody some kids had dug a hole. You're supposed to always fill in your holes if you're, you know, doing that kind of thing when you're at the beach. And a 600 pound sea turtle did fall in it and she couldn't get out. And a jogger found her in the morning and she was too big for her to be able to pull her out. I don't know if it, she was 600 pounds. I think that I've misquoted that. How I'm, I don't know. There's several hundred turtle. pounds, they're expensive. I mean, they're expensive, they're heavy. Um, (laughs) they're really heavy. So, uh, Luckily, a bunch of people stopped and were able to help get that turtle out. But they're, it's not like, oh, gosh, that turtle fell. Let me pick it up and move it. It's it's not something that you can just do. It's not a dog or like a box turtle. that's in the middle of the road. So you definitely want to be respectful of those because they are endangered. And um, yeah, very important to remember. Also, uh, managing. Uh, so, Bradley, how do people know? Is there any kind of notification system or flag system in Myrtle Beach when it comes to the rip currents and the beach conditions?
1: Yeah, so that's actually funny. My first job in Myrtle Beach was an ocean lifeguard, so I know a little <laughs> bit about this. <laughs> but, yes, they do have the flags that indicate whether it's riptides, whether you can or can't go in the ocean, whether there's uh, marine life in the area. Uh, they are indicated by uh, yellow, red, black, uh, different colored flags, correct? And they do have signage to that do state to stay off the dunes because, yes, you – you're not supposed to go on the dunes. They're there for a purpose. Um, we have obviously areas where we have alligators, and again, typically it's signposted that if you see an alligator, don't feed them. Don't go in the water in those areas because, of course, this is their habitat, and we we entered their area that we they didn't come into ours. So, of course, we do have that kind of wildlife around here, um, but it is pretty well signposted.
0: Yeah, I think it's very important to make sure that your guests have access to what those flags mean. So whether that's in your guidebook or maybe there's magnets you can put up or a sign you can put up in your unit so that they understand what that means. I know when we're walking on the beach here, my five-year-old has become such a know-it-all because she knows what what the flags mean. And so double red means like you are not supposed to be in the water, period, not even your toe. And she runs around telling people, you're not supposed to be. And there will still be people. You know, You'll see people with their toddlers in the water on a double red flag. And it's terrifying because those are the days that you do see ambulances headed towards the beach because people do drown. And so his definitely. I need
2: really- to have her. I need to have her come yell at my wife. She like she wants to. <laughs> swim to Cuba every time there's red flags. And I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, the water, stop it.
0: (laughs) And there's all these horrible stories of adults who weren't drinking or anything, you know, who a friend got a little too far out and started having a problem. And then they go to rescue them. And actually the person who's trying to rescue ends up being the person that drowns. So it's, it's no joke. And I think it's important to make sure that your guests, it's not your responsibility. It's not your liability, but definitely make sure that they have access to understanding what those flags mean because a lot of people don't know what it means they're like oh red flag guess i better be careful and then here they go so really important i think what else what else so i guess tim so we talked about flags the beaches have, uh animals you got to use the red flashlights sand. Uh, sorry
2: sand we've talked about sand
0: yeah we've- so what else i mean i guess just general since it, these are a lot of condos so if a do you run into any things that you have to manage around with HOAs? I'm not talking about them trying to change the rules and make it no short term rentals because that typically doesn't happen with these big purpose built communities that are built to be short term rentals. But in terms of like guests and HOAs, and you ever run into anything there? Um,
2: nothing big, I just I would say develop some sort of relationship with the people that you may have to call for things. You know, like I said, we have had to call the HOA for different things, like like the pool you know, having an issue or, you know, we've had noise complaints before where people are complaining about, you know, somebody being, throwing beer cans off a balcony or something like that. So know who to call ahead of time. Don't wait until you have a problem and then be scrambling, trying to figure out who, who, what phone number you're supposed to call. So to me, that's really important. Um, Another, this is kind of a small thing, but just kind of a hack that we do. Um, It's very common for HOAs to provide cable and internet, and a lot of you know a lot of amenity types things like that so with that you don't always get to choose like your own passwords and and things like that so it ends up being like weird passwords and we're I'm like a crazy personal about, about having everything the same and and like our system <laughs> so i actually install a second uh router in all of our places so that way there's like two networks there's the network that the hoa provides and it provides you a second network that you can put your own name and password and everything else on um to me that simplifies things for tvs and just lots of stuff so that way they're not having to do like a crazy weird password that that they usually are um and also that helps me with like, you know, if I need to do uh, uh, like, I talked about the spare door locks in the, in the owner's closet, all my door locks, it's the same username and password for the wifi's that I use for those. So I can actually program those at home. I live in the Smokies and mail them to my cleaner in the beach market and she can put them in my owner's closet. So I don't have to like, I can use, I can program it on my one here that is the same and send it out. So that's been a nice thing for us. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of anything else of HOA. Really, it's just having a, a, the, the right people to call and having a certain, you know, a, a healthy relationship with them. So,
0: yeah. And ours,
2: it, yeah. ours provides cable. We actually took it out. <laughs> uh, you know, our cable, it, it wasn't that great. And it's like, I don't know who, who the provider is, but it's like straight from the 90s and everything. I didn't like it. So I actually took it all out and put the cable boxes in our owner's closet. And uh, I just have streaming only in ours and uh but don't throw that stuff away you know because if they come looking for it it could cost you some money you know if you choose to do that uh
1: but uh so
0: yeah um definitely one of
1: sorry i think one of the the one of the occurrences you should catch ahead of time during the buying process is to make sure there are not any limitations especially with, obviously with oceanfront condos as far as access to the amenities because of course some buildings will require that you have like an armband or something to use the amenities and if you self-manage they don't some buildings won't allow um guests of self-managed units access to some of the amenities and things like that so of course make sure your agent uh, catches that one ahead of time yeah
2: that's a great point ours has ours does parking passes you know so Mm -hmm. anything like that um again just build a system for it our system you know it's pretty simple they go in the owner's closet uh we have it's kind of archaic the way we have to buy them they won't like take credit cards or anything so like we have to get them like a check which is annoying (laughs) but anyway and then our we have our cleaner pick them up and we'll buy you know whatever thousand dollars a time with them and we put them in the owner's closet and then when the cleaner does a turn she pulls it out and leaves it you know writes what she has to write on it and sets it on the counter so just have you know systems for those little things it's not hard but you do have to uh You know, clear communication with all your vendors. You know, meaning like your cleaner, whoever's going to be doing this stuff. For a lot of HOAs, the parking pass, you know, it it serves a couple purposes. They they don't want to overflow the parking lot. Usually, there is a limit on how many vehicles that you can have for your unit there. So if you have a one bedroom, they're probably going to limit you to one or two cars, depending on the parking lot and the and the the building, of course. But also, it's a it's another money maker for them because they they make money off the parking passes typically, which is. kind of a, it's kind of a subsidiary for your, your dues usually. So it it just goes in the general budget and gets used for fixing up the building typically. So.
0: Yeah. Always good to have a good relationship with your HOA. So, you know, who to call when things happen, things like that. Uh, What else? Is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you think the listeners would benefit from hearing when it comes to, you know, just common things that happen, in this market that we need to manage around or that we have to deal with often
1: Mm, a big one it's not so big it's actually very little but people often uh we have palmetto bugs here going back to the bugs in the house and they're kind of like big cockroaches but they're not like they're not nasty they don't it's not because the house is dirty or because uh it hasn't been cleaned properly they just oh they're nasty yeah i mean they're kind of nasty i mean they look nasty for sure but uh, they just come inside when the house is when when it's raining outside or the weather's not particularly nice a lot of the times these Palmetto bugs will come inside and somehow they'll you'll see them crawling up walls or they'll be upside down on their back dead um but it's not because you're staying in a disgusting rental that isn't hasn't been cleaned properly it's just. One of those other wildlife things we have here
2: and, and the, the point of that same thing bug complaints can be horrible you'll have a variety of guests some guests are totally understanding of it and some guests are going to go right to there's roaches mm-hmm. and I, I want my money back and again uh, the getting ahead of those things helps you know and and just get, the more you can educate the better exactly what bradley just said you know if you tell your guests this is what these things are uh it's a possibility they're going to come inside you know they don't hurt you uh, we do regular pest control, blah, 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 blah. The more you can say about that in your listing or in your guidebook or something to help uh, mitigate those, those complaints goes a long ways. So again, if you're from Michigan you've never seen a palmetto bug, it, you know, people can freak out, you know, you just ruin their entire vacation because a bug walked inside. So
0: yeah, they're pretty nasty looking, but they are, they're not roaches. I mean, maybe they are, who knows, but <laughs> um, they're, we call them palmetto bugs.
2: <laughs> Sounds fancier.
0: Yeah. Huh. Okay, guys. Well, anything else you think that we need to mention?
2: Wear sunscreen, eat lots of seafood.
0: All of the above. And if you're ready to buy with us in this market, you can email us at agents at the shorttermshop.com and we will get you connected. In addition to that, you can join our Facebook group. It's called short term rental, long term wealth. Same title as my book right behind me. You can also join us. We have a live Q&A every Thursday and you can join that at strquestions.com to come on and ask us any questions that you have about short term rental investing. And thank you guys so much. And we will see y'all on the next episode.